Hey guys, it's JJ, and before we get started with today's episode, I want to tell you guys about a credit card that Brad and I love, and that's the Jasper card. Jasper is a premium MasterCard issued by WebBank member FDIC that's designed for professionals who want to build great credit. This is a credit card that you can apply for with no credit history required, which is virtually impossible these days, as long as you have proof of income. Here's the thing, you need a credit card to build credit efficiently, but most credit card companies won't approve you for a card unless you already have a credit history. Jasper is different because their unique underwriting is forward-looking. When you apply, they look at your your potential instead of focusing just on your credit history. So maybe you just started a new job and you're heading in the right direction professionally, but you don't have much credit history built up yet. You can apply for the Jasper card and if approved, have a real premium card now instead of starting out like many young people do with a debit card or a secured credit card. Plus with the Jasper MasterCard, you can earn up to 6% cash back by referring friends. Of course, terms apply, review them after you click. This card is perfect to help you start and continue to build your credit for you if you take the right steps. So if you are interested, click the link in the show notes to apply for your Jasper card today. Apply by March 31st, 2021 using promo code AMONEY to receive a $50 sign-up bonus. You receive your sign-up bonus as a $50 statement credit upon activation. If approved, terms apply. Hey guys, welcome back to another Friday episode of the Average Money Podcast. I gotta come out and say this. As soon as we clicked record, I told Brad, I'm like, dang it, this is another JJ intro. Sure is. I hate them, man. I'm so bad at them. I'm not good at them. I always mess up. To be honest, you guys don't see the the like pre-edit. Most of the time, I'm redoing this like five or six times. Am I not? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I am. Yeah. So I, as soon as we look down, I'm like, dang it, I got to do my no- another intro. <laughs> Whatever. We're gonna roll with it, guys. If you are new here, this is the Average Money Podcast. My name is JJ Buckner, and I am joined live in person with my good friend Brad Finn. How you doing, buddy? Feels good to be here. I've been here for a couple days now, and it gets better every single day. And I hope people can get a feeling that we're in the same room. Like we definitely feel a difference in energy. For sure, it's definitely made recording more fun. And I mean, I had to screw up JJ's entire office and everything like that. It's kind of stressing me out a little bit. A little bit, but yeah, no, I I'm I'm a fan of Missouri. I don't know if I necessarily want to move here, but it's a great place to come for vacation and. Yeah, pumped. Let's uh, let's get this Friday episode out. A really good one. Once again, we said it once, we said it again. It's great when we get these questions of things that we take for granted and have forgotten, like things that just we overlook that we know that beginners definitely have questions on. So yeah, that's definitely, I think, in line with this one today. So yeah, play this one, bud. Cool. So today's voicemail does come from Jeremy. Hey, Brad and JJ, this is Jeremy Hibbert uh, in Syracuse, New York. My handle on Discord is GrayCloud. Um, just quick question is being a new investor um, with less than 500 bucks to play with right now, I've been focusing on dividend stocks and just trying to put a little bit in buying a share or buying a dollar or so. Is that the right move uh, being brand new until I have money to start playing on options? Or is there something else I should be doing or focusing on when I'm just starting? Thanks, guys. Great question. I was about to say that too. <laughs> Brad and I are literally both writing notes right now if you guys aren't watching the YouTube channel. Um, as we listen to these voicemails, every time, I know you probably do the same thing. We like So this one we've listened to before. Brad and I had to talk about it. We're in person. And this we, we already kind of have an idea of what we're going to talk about. But as I'm listening to that again, I'm thinking of new <laughs> things that I want to talk about. Exactly, yeah. So let me write this down real quick. But go ahead, Brad. I mean, you, you can kind of start off and where you're thinking on Jeremy's question with it's pretty good though. You know, it's it's a question that, like you said, we don't really think about anymore because we've been doing it for a bit. And it's when you have a uh, a smaller sum of money, is it better to go the dividend route or should it be doing something different? Yeah, we've talked about kind of a beginner's approach, and there's really not going to be 
that much difference in, I think, a play. And we can definitely think about what we're going to be doing, but we've talked about, let's get our ducks in a row first as a beginner. So I always want to at least mention that and drive that home. Like, let's be debt free. Mm -hmm. Let's have our emergency funds and things like that. Then we go through this phase where we're kind of like in our educational phase, I think. And I think that's kind of where he's at, where he doesn't know exactly what moves he wants to make. And he mentioned options. To be honest, options came years after I started investing. I mean, would it be years now? Maybe not, because I think there's more opportunities for education out there and things like that. But I, I definitely wouldn't even be considering that yet as, as like an ultimate beginner. As far as like what you're purchasing, I think it really depends on where you're at in life and your long-term goals. We talk about, you know, personal finance is personal. It's super cliche. And I would hate that answer <laughs> if I was a beginner. I'd be like, come on, man, give me some more. But dividends are great. And we can go through the pros and cons of yeah. dividends versus growth stocks. As a beginner though, I'm going to say, Let's start while we're learning, especially with a low sum of money, with an index fund or something like that, while we're learning the markets. Because it's our success and our personal finance success isn't going to come so much from how much money we have. It's going to be their education. Education is going to be your number one you know, defense. The more you know, the better it is. And Real, real quick, I want to I want to say this too. Am I actually? I, it's funny, Brad said that because that's what I was writing down as I was listening to the voicemail again. I, we want to give an answer on like dividend growth options. We'll get to that, but we need to preface this and say how important index funds are because I will speak for both Brad and or for Brad and I, saying that majority of our assets that are in the stock market are with index funds. Correct, eighty percent of mine. Yeah. So that Brad made a good point, you know, have your ducks in a row, you know, make your uh, emergency fund, get your index funds, get that stuff in place, you know, look at retirement accounts, tax advantage accounts. That's all important. But to get to the actual question, right? let's assume everyone knows that already. Yes. What's the best way to start as a beginner? Dividends. Mm-hmm. Is it growth? Should you start with options? What is the best way to do this? So I want, I want to take this over real quick, and because I'm a, some of you guys who, yeah, just sit back and drink your beer, buddy. So as somebody who, uh, if you guys watch my YouTube channel, you know I am, I love dividend investing. I love it. But the some pros and cons with that is the reasons I do love dividends is because of the income potential that can happen. I love the safety that comes with the conservative conservativeness of dividend stocks. They tend to not go down as much in value as when we have a, a stock market crash. They're relatively solid companies that have been around for a long time. They're large blue chip stocks. They got pretty safety balance sheets. They're the ones that I buy are they're able to afford your to pay out the dividend on a consecutive basis. They're consecutively raising their dividend on a on a year to year basis. All these things are so important when it comes to dividends. But here is some of the here's some of the cons. Some of the downturns with with dividend investing is that that growth's not there. You know, and as a beginner, starting with a lower amount of money, you're always like, I need that fast money, baby. Let's go. So that's something that you do miss out on as a dividend investor. There are dividend stocks that you can buy to also get some of that growth built in there. You got your visas. Some one stock I just added to the portfolio recently is ATVI, Activision Blizzard. Uh, very low paying dividend, but the stock has some more potential growth as well. So so many different strategies you can do. But when it comes to growth, so now with growth, you're looking at stocks that are going to have a much higher potential of return on a monthly, yearly basis. Again, as all depends on how the stock market goes. Because it can go down just as fast. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. With growth stocks, whenever the market takes a downturn, we're in a bearish market, those growth stocks are going to be the ones that are flying, wake, you know, going down much faster than the dividend stocks are. 
So it's all things to think about. Now, I like to always answer some of these questions with what I do personally, because I don't like to necessarily tell somebody what I think they should do. I think it's very important to get difference of opinions, and then you as the individual need to make the decision yourself. So for what I like to do is I probably have, not accounting for my index funds, I would say I'm more heavily invested in dividend stocks than I am growth, which really probably doesn't make sense for my age because a lot of people are like, oh, well, JJ, you need to be taking advantage of all this growth going on, which I am. I am invested in growth stocks, but I'm also on this fire journey and I'm wanting to build up my initial position in these dividend stocks to cover. I talked about this on a video on my YouTube channel. I would like to have my dividends cover roughly 20% of my income that I need to live off of years down the road. Let's say, let's call it $2,000 a month I'm earning in dividends. That's completely free passive income that I get to earn and, and use to pay bills that I don't have to take any capital out of my accounts, which kind of goes back to like the 4% rule. And with everyone talking about this fire movement, like how you calculate your fire number, I just want to live off dividends, baby, and, and cash flow and not have to touch my capital and not worry about the 4% rule at all. I used to be such a hater of dividend stocks for the that FOMO that you mentioned because I'm like, they're trading so flat. And I think it used to be easier to be a dividend investor. Right now, it's tough to be it's a dividend investor. It's very tough to be a dividend investor. Everything's growing. The market is going crazy. And you're not going to see that growth. I mean, AT&T, which is one of the most popular dividend stocks out there, has been between $27 20. and $30 yeah. yes. for, the last, for the last 10 years, 15 yep. years. But it's still, this is people paying. So you have to look at, like I think, whether you're going to go dividend or growth, you're still your outlook should still be 10 years. Like, I'm not, whatever I buy... I. You know, I'm not going to touch it for 10 years. Then you just need to ask yourself, what do you want in 10 years? In 10 years, do you want a little bit more risk and hope for that growth? And then you are going to sell off because right now, if you have a growth stock, if Tesla goes up 25% today, you didn't make any money. You make money upon the sale. Correct. So that's a big thing that people need to understand. If, if you're going that growth route, you're saying in 10 years, I hope that what the share price is now, what I bought it at will be a certain percent higher and who cares what it does along the way because when I sell, that's when I'm going to make my money. Where dividend investors are saying, okay, in 10 years, I don't care what the value of the share price of the stock is. I know that I'm going to have a certain amount of money invested, which is going to return me a certain dividend percentage. Let's say 4%. I think it's pretty fair. If, you, if you're a good quality dividend stock, you're somewhere between 2 and 5%, I think. And yeah. So- you might say to yourself, okay, well, if I have $100,000 invested, I'm going to get 4% dividends. You can kind of estimate. It's a little bit more secure income. And that's kind of why I like it, but it is a long grind. It's a very long grind. But there, and I think we're kind of, I don't want this to sound like we're leaning towards the dividend route because I do think it's like 50-50. You, you have to do your due diligence and, and make sure you understand what you're getting into and make your decision. If you're, if you're 25 years old, in 10 years, you're 35. So you may not be ready to retire yet. And nothing is set in stone either. So but true. like if I'm 20 years old, I'm probably going to go dividend growth. I'm, I'm going to see what can happen in 10 years. Yeah. Then I can reevaluate at 35. Or just typical growth stocks. Yeah. And I can always shift. The, like nothing is set in stone. Nothing. Nothing. I used to think I had to find a plan and stick to it. As, as a beginner, that's what I thought. Like, okay, Brad, are you a dividend investor or are you a growth investor? Now I'm like, I have a little, I have a little bit of both, but I will admit that my growth stocks that I invest in at almost 40 years of age, they are kind of just to 
tickle my my yeah. FOMO and yeah. tickle my my portfolio is returning me this that and the other thing. But at the end of the day, if I can just sit back and have my dividends and my dividend companies Johnson and Johnson and Disney, well Disney not anymore, but AT and other all these other things that I'm investing in, Pepsi is another huge one that I love to invest in. They're gonna grow, but they're not gonna they're not going to return you what what you're you're not going to be telling your friends about your dividend growth returns. <laughs> you may tell them about that cash flow though when that starts coming in, that right. passive income. But you have to delay that gratification for, for 10 years. That, I know. Yeah. Cuz I mean, a, a great YouTube channel that I watch is Gen and Dividend Investor. And this dude, he's, he everyone wants to say, "Oh my god, he's getting $60,000 a year in dividends." Mm-hmm. He has a oh, probably a 2 million plus dollar dividend portfolio. But then nobody reads the fine print that he's been investing for 20 plus years in the stock market. Not an old guy. To, yeah, I mean, he got started early, but right now he doesn't need to work. That's almost his income. It's amazing. But it took him, you know, you, you have to think about that. Like if you are new and you have 500 bucks, yeah, is $500 inside Pepsi going to be life-changing dividend money for you? No. But the early goal, just like with any investing practice is going to be long-term gratification, in my opinion. You have to be saying, what I'm going to do now is not going to, quote, no pun intended, pay me dividends for 10 plus years. And I also want to touch on something you said again, Brad, that you said it's it's okay to change. I had the same issue. Like when I was first getting started with, with investing, I'm like, okay, do I only invest in dividend stocks? Am I only a dividend investor? And I can't even look at growth. Like, I don't know why we get caught up so much on that, like trying to pick a strategy, it's all whatever you want to do. If you want to own half dividend stocks and half high risk growth stocks, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just yeah. whatever you're comfortable with, whatever your risk tolerance is, that's what you do. Guys, I just want to take a quick pause as I open up another beer here and talk about a company that's helping us with this episode. And they are Tavor. As a former brewery owner, what I found out is you you know the breweries in your town. If you're a craft beer drinker, you know where you can go and get a nice craft beer. But then when you get through your entire town, you're kind of like, oh man, I wish I was in another town or I wish I could go somewhere else. And that's really where Tavor changed the game for craft beer. They have given you the opportunity to find craft beer from all over the country and have the opportunity to drink it right in your very Home. It's the only place if you live outside New York that you can get my former brewery, Dubco, and be drinking that at home. And it's so amazing to find a company that you align with so well. We reached out to them in praying that they would work with us. And we just want to thank Tavor for helping us with this episode. There's going to be a link down in the description below. Check out the website. They have memberships. You can get some beer. It is the best way to get craft beer from all over the country without having to travel. And I just wanted to thank Tavor for that as not only a consumer, but a former brewery owner. And I'll also touch on that real quick too and say for me living in a small town where I do, it's so awesome to be able to try different beers because I don't get to go always go up to the city and grab the next craft beer or whatever it is. So to have that subscription to me sent to my home is perfect. You can't ask for something better. Right on, JJ. So back to what we were talking about. Even with like speculative risky, these are the benefit. We're we going to sound like a broken record after a while. <laughs> but when you're debt free, like I have money in Bitcoin, a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. Do I think that that can still go to zero tomorrow? Absolutely. You really think it go to zero? Not tomorrow. Okay. But over time, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah. maybe, but what I'm saying is. It, I get what you're saying. The risk of it going down, shooting, what, I get it. Maybe yeah. when you're learning right now and you have 500 bucks to, get, to go back to this question, you're like, okay, well. 
I have 500 bucks. I'm not really ready to put that in Tesla or Amazon. You can kind of, because they trade so flat and there's such a low volatility, you can almost use dividends and dividend stocks as almost like a little holding pattern, like a place where, you know, and I'm not saying that they don't, they're not They can't go down. But like I said, if you are investing in these companies that have these blue chip, like you mentioned, Disney, if Disney dives or if Pepsi dives 20%, the whole market did. Mm-hmm. I don't think any one single event, and like I said, Every, anything could happen. Right. I mean, but I think there's not one single, I think there's more likelihood for Tesla to drop 20% tomorrow than Pepsi. Oh, for sure. So for you, sure. you, you kind of look at that. But as a beginner, I would say, bud, just automation and consistency is going to be even more important than the stocks and the, and the positions that you choose. Pick some companies that you know that you could tell your friends about, that you purchase on a regular, that you spend money inside these companies. They are part of your life. If you start there between, like I said, if you drink Starbucks a lot, buy some Starbucks stock and then do it consistently and have a plan, that's going to be the real key to success. Yeah, it, it definitely goes back to make sure you feel comfortable holding these positions. You know, if you're at sleep at night and you're in bed and you're like, oh man, I really hope this stock is up tomorrow. Like you should not be doing that as an investor. You need to be buying into positions that you're saying, okay, if this stock drops 20%, I'm stoked because I get to buy more of it on a discount. Like when, another thing with dividend investing, and again, I don't mean, I don't want to sound like I'm more of a, you know, lending you towards a dividend route because that's not what I'm doing at all. I'm just saying here's the good points of dividends too. Whenever a Pepsi stock does does go down 20%, what happens is that dividend yield goes higher because you're getting it at a lower amount, which in return is giving you higher dividend yield on your position because you're getting it at a cheaper price. So like that's the good thing about dividend stocks too is whenever the market does dip, I'm buying as many dividend stocks as I can yeah. because I'm getting that higher yield on cost on my dividend yield that's going to in return earn me more money down the road. And if what you just said just made somebody go, wait, what did he just say? The dividend is not set by the share price. So the company sets their dividend usually a year in advance. They come out and they say, okay, our dividend is going to be this per year. And then that price gives a dividend that you are going to get paid. The dividend yield then varies and changes according to the share price. So that's that was frustrating for me as a dividend investor too. I tried to make a spreadsheet and like I'd put in like a fixed dividend percentage. Oh, yeah. And then like two weeks later, it'd be different. I'm like, wait, wait, they can just change their dividend. The company's not changing their dividend. The dividend percentage is affected by the share price. So if they come out and say, we're going to give a dollar per year and it's a $10 stock, you know, you have a 10% dividend. But if the stock price drops and they keep their dividend the same, the yield will increase. So that's kind of what you said. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about, we don't have to worry about our dividend income back to the security of the dividend. You don't have to worry about that dividend income with fluctuations in the share price. And that's something I didn't understand as a beginner. If things go bad in the company, you'll hear about dividend cuts and things like that. But which are things you need to look out for whenever yeah. you're investing in the company, right. which we can make up actually probably as a good episode, like look in like a beginner dividend investing type thing or something. Exactly. But the day-to-day volatility of the, of the share price is not like if it's coming up to the ex-dividend date where you're going to get paid a dividend I and the price drops five bucks, you don't have to worry. Your dividend is safe. Like your dividend did not just change by $5. Right. Great point. Great point. Uh, I will say that I'm more, I'm more a dividend guy. I, oh, I am too. I'm not promoting it, but if we're talking personally, my goal is to get passive income from dividends. 
and not have to worry about that. I'm more of a set and forget it. The least amount of worrying and things that I have to think about, the better for me. So do you have FOMO though of what's going on in the market? Like seeing all these stocks doing 20, 30, 40, 100,000 percent returns in over a couple months? Hell yeah. And I also have FOMO about people that buy houses that they can't afford. And I have FOMO about people that drive nicer cars than me that they're paying debt on. And I have FOMO of people that go on vacation, but then they get home and they're back to the rat race. This can go anywhere. You know what you need to do right now? A mic drop. <laughs> no, I, but it's true. And I'm not sounding like high yeah. and mighty, but I am very, very good at delayed gratification. Yep. I am very, very good at contentment and sticking to my plan. And I think my age allows me to do so. And also I've been investing long enough where I've seen people have a really good run and tell me all about it. And then, then it's quiet. Yep. A couple months later, they're quiet. So true. And they're like, what's up, bud? What, what's going on? What, and he's like, oh, you know, I got out of that, you know? So yeah, no, I... The whole like GameStop, that whole thing like last week, and I wasn't a part of it. Yeah, I felt like a loser. <laughs> felt like a loser, but now it's a week later. La who is a her? Loser. <laughs> loser. But yeah, no, I have FOMO. There's, there's parts of me that always, and even during the Tesla run, I, I wish I oh, I wish I maybe oh, I, I sold out early on the Tesla run. Man. Maybe I should get into it. Maybe I should, but it's, it's more of a percentage. Do I own Tesla stock? Yes. But back to that automation and consistency, I have a game plan set. I have this amount of money allocated to each one of my investments. At this point, I very rarely are adding new mm-hmm. investments because I have my portfolio kind of balanced where I want. So yeah, no, I get, I'm human. I bleed when I fall down, you know, and I look at what other people are doing and I'm like, yeah, man, that I wish I would have been that guy. Yeah. But if we if we spent our lives like doing that and then worrying about it, so true, man. life would be pretty difficult. Like I'm I'm super jealous you're going to Hawaii, but that just doesn't fit my plan. Right, right. You know, and you might I'm super. I'll send you a postcard. I'm super I'm super jealous of Jenin's two million dollar dividend portfolio. But doing this for how long I've been doing it now, which isn't nearly as long as him, I understand what he went through, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to put in the work. Not to make people jealous of me, but to continue to lead by example and show that delayed gratification is always in the long run going to be the best for you. Well, Brad, I think that's a good place to end this. I think we nailed it. Uh, Jeremy, thank you again for the question, man. And I want to say this to every one of you listeners who are listening right now. If you guys have a question like this, again, it can be investing related, budgeting related, money related, lifestyle related, whatever it is. We have a link in the description in the show notes. You guys can click that link and leave us a voicemail up to 90 seconds, I believe it is. Yep. And then we'll play it live on the show. We'll give our thoughts, answer the question. And it's it's one of our favorite episodes that we love to do. We love answering y'all's questions and hearing the voices of the listeners. It's amazing. I, I love it. Yep. So guys, again, thank you all so much for listening. If you're new here, again, this is the Average Money Podcast. I do want to say thank you all so much. And until the next one, you guys, take care. Hey guys, so in today's world, it is extremely important to make sure you are protecting your online privacy and identity. You have to think about this when you are traveling or you're out using public Wi-Fi, checking your Robinhood portfolio, or just browsing the internet. It is so important to make sure you have a VPN service so that way you are protecting yourself and your online identity. One way you can do this is by using a VPN service, and the VPN Brad and I recommend and use is the world's leading VPN, Private Internet Access. With Private Internet Access, you can browse anonymously with a private IP address and enable strong encryption to protect yourself from your ISP and public Wi-Fi networks. You can also get access to tons of new content on platforms like Netflix, Disney+, Amazon Prime Video, HBO Go, and more. Private internet access provides the highest speeds and most encryption.
If you guys are interested in protecting yourself online, then for a limited time only, you can get two years plus three months free for only $2.59 per month. When you go to privateinternetaccess.com slash average money, there is a link also in the show notes for you guys to click on.